how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. We originally spoke with James Vanderbilt for his film Truth, starring Rob Redford, in episode 50 of the podcast. We also discussed Zodiac, Basic, The Amazing Spider-Man, and briefly touched on Independence Day Resurgence. And the new film Murder Mystery, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston team up again for the romantic comedy. The Netflix original recreates the classic whodunit murder mystery. In this interview, the screenwriter talks about his 10-year journey to bring murder mystery to audiences, his love for mystery novels and the whodunit stories, how to make an original movie without IP, the importance of genre deconstruction in films, how he battles procrastination, and a future project he's working on with John Cena and The Rock. If you enjoyed this interview, please subscribe on Sound, SoundCloud or iTunes, and make sure to check out the new YouTube series, also called Creative Principles, where we dissect films, series, and more. I actually wrote the first draft of this before Truth. I actually wrote it about 13 years ago. Um, so this has kind of wended its way through different studios and, and development and stuff like that. So it's kind of, this is the thing I've worked on for the longest. Um, so it's kind of amazing to, to actually have it come to fruition. But it was sort of pre-truth around the time of Zodiac. I had a, um, a drinks meeting with Trip Vinson, who was uh, as another producer on it, and an executive named Jason Reed, who was working at Disney at the time. And uh, we started just talking about all of these movies we loved as kids, like uh, Murder by Death and The Last of Sheila and Foul Play and Clue, obviously, is a big one. And uh, and I grew up, you know, reading Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie and watching Columbo. Like, my family was a very mystery-based uh, family, uh, so which is a weird, way, a weird thing to say. But, like, we just, you know, that's kind of all the stuff I grew up on. And we talked about how you kind of couldn't make those movies anymore um, and how... It's just, you know, the idea of having a scene in the third act of a movie where the detective calls all the suspects together and explains the case was sort of impossible to do. And, you know, once we started to talk about how impossible it was to do, I started to think that we should really try and do it. Um, and so we ended up setting it up at Disney, and, and that's how it started. What do you think the the most difficult aspect was? Like, you've got that kind of genre, but this is this is not connected to any IP. Was that kind of part of the problem in the way that the film industry has been changing over the last decade or so? I do. I think it was, I think part of the reason it was, I think it was part of the reason it was tough to make. There was no IP and it was an original idea, although it's rooted in a lot of sort of um, genre and historical stuff. I think part of it was the tone, you know, on the page was, it's a very specific tone. It's, it's sort of, it's a comedy, but it's also a genre deconstruction. And I always loved the idea 
that these two characters walk into almost a different movie that they don't belong in. You know what I mean? Is is this this couple from Brooklyn sort of crash lands in an Agatha Christie story? Um, and then I also think part of the issue was just you know who wants to take a chance on you know, a modern-day murder mystery. You know, it's not like you could, you know, there weren't some, um, you know, we talk about in this industry comps, you know, and, and it's, there weren't a lot of comps. You couldn't say, oh, we should totally do this because it's just like that big hit movie last year. Like, it's its its own animal. And so I think that's what makes it fun, and that's actually a uh, a feature, not a bug. But, you know, listen, when you're trying to get a movie made, it's it's a lot easier, you know, these days if you have a superhero or if you have a best-selling book or if you have, you know, a piece of IP that was a big hit movie in the 90s that you want to remake. That's that's just an easier way to go usually to get something greenlit. Did so this is obviously kind of a, a mix of genres. It's definitely some comedy, some action, even some romance. Um did it kind of start to move more in one direction versus another, like when Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston signed on for it or started to talk to them about it? I mean, I don't know. I don't think so, actually. I think it was always sort of this blend, and I think that was, you know, you know what, what hopefully, I don't want to speak for them, but I think what attracted them to it was it wasn't just a straight comedy, you know, that it had that kind of genre fun stuff, that it had the the romance to it. Um, and I know that, you know, sort of both of them, it's one of the things that Adam and I talked about really early in the process was, you know, this was, and it was always written this way, is, is it's a movie about a, a couple that's been together for a while, you know, and, and 90% of romantic comedies start with two people meeting for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it seems like the story we always want to tell is that story of that first spark, that first love. And this isn't that. This is about a couple who've been together for, you know, they've been married for 15 years, together longer, you know, and still love each other very much and are still better together than they are apart. And that's just not a part of relationships that's usually explored in feature films. And uh, listen, I'm, I've been married to my wife for, for, for 13 years now. And, you know, Adam's been in a long-term marriage for, and a lot of us have been married for a while. And we sort of all loved the idea of telling a story about that part of the relationship. Cause that doesn't really get told. So when I first saw this trailer, I, I was kind of assuming it was one of the, um, like more of like, you know, Adam Sandler's, maybe Adam Sandler's idea or something. That's kind of what you expect, expect from some of his films, especially with the Netflix connections. Um, did anything change uh, as far as like comedy wise? Or do you think he, like, I guess what I'm saying is his first set of movies back in, back in the day were very much like based around him. Do you think he's kind of moved in more of a, like a total actor uh, uh, presence in some of his more recent films? Well, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm qualified to sort of comment on like the trajectory. No, I know I'm like, I have an answer, but like, I just, I think what's been fascinating about his career is that he, he loves doing those sort of great sort of Adam Sandler comedies, but he always has had one foot in, you know, I mean, whether it's Punch Drunk Love or last year, the Meyerowitz stories, which I love, like he's always had this ability to be a really wonderful dramatic and even comedic within the dramatic stuff actor. Um, and I think it's just project for project to him. And I know with this, it was a situation where he had read the script and really liked it and called us. 
and said, hey, I really like this. I want to do it. And for various reasons, we couldn't get it done when he originally called. It was about six years ago. And then when he ended up at Netflix, he brought it up again, and he brought it up to them and said, I, this is, I really like this, and I want to do it. And I think one of the things he responded to is it's just it doesn't – it's a little bit of a different thing for him. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's – he's very good in it, and he's very comfortable in this role, and it's sort of he, – he's playing that kind of American blue-collar everyman, which he's so great at. But it is not – you know, it, it – it's not a Billy Madison. It's not a Sandy Wexler. It's not, you know what I mean? It's the, the character isn't, isn't heightened in this, you know, what's sort of, it's funny. It's like I read um, a review of it that sort of said something that I thought was really smart was it's, he's the straight man in this movie. You know, it, it's he and Jen are, are actually the ones who are reacting to the craziness. They are not doing the crazy behavior. It's not the water boy. Um, and, and so I think that aspect of it was, was, was really fun to watch him be able to play that and watch Jen be able to play that because she's so good at that. Let's talk, so you got these grounded characters as the couple. We're talking, we're talking about like real-life marriage issues, especially if they've been married for a while. Did that kind of give you the freedom to really play with these side characters? Like everybody on the yacht in that scene or those first scenes feels like some of them could be like a Bond villain type person. Did that kind of... How did you kind of want to separate those characters to make them all very different on screen? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you put your finger on it. It, it really was sort of the rule I had for myself was if the, if the married couple feels real, then you have permission to go as crazy as you want to with the other people. So it's sort of, you know, there's a scene really early in the movie that I love, uh, just their performances in where they're just at home brushing their teeth and they get into an argument, you know what I mean, about, you know, leaving the fan on or the air conditioning or, you know, it's this dinner we went to and, that, you know, that guy ate too much. And, and that all, and the, you know, an argument of Claritin versus Allegra, which is out of my own marriage, like, all of that is, I think, great and real, and so that allowed us to sort of get to a place where there is a, you know, a, a colonel with an eye patch and, and, and a fake hand. You know, <laughs> I mean, somebody gets filled with a blow dart later on in the movie, which is, which is not something you see every day. So I, I do think, like, having them be real let us get crazy with the other stuff, but hopefully the movie always kind of feels tethered and grounded because of their relationship. So you've got a lot of credits, and last time we spoke about just you have a very diverse regim, resume. Um, you have comedy in your films, but I wouldn't say you've really gone towards like making just straight-up comedies as much. I was speaking with uh, a showrunner named Victor Fresco who does the Santa Clarita Diet, and he comp- oh sure yeah yeah he compared like doing a show but also a comedy. He said it's like Ginger Rogers does everything Fred Astaire does but backwards. What were some of the like the extra challenges of, of the comedy part? I think, by the way, I think he's super talented, and I love that show, and I wish I wish it it kept going. Um, no, I think you know, I my favorite comedies, sort of growing up, were comedies that were funny, but also there was a real plot to them. Do you know what I mean? It's like. If you go back and look at Ghostbusters, like there is an actual story and plot and character arcs there. If you go back and look at um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, there's a you know he's he's really he goes to town to solve his best friend's murder. Like Midnight Run is a great example of it. So it's, I do think it's an interesting thing where you have to be able to execute all the stuff you would have to execute in a drama or an action film, but then make sure that every you know thirty seconds or so you're laughing. Um, so it is it is. A challenge, but I, you know, listen, I think all, all movies are challenges. I do think that comedy doesn't get the recognition it deserves in terms of its actors, because certainly not 
you know, a comedy is never going to win an Academy Award for Best Picture, and that's a shame. Let's talk a little bit about your process. I think last time we spoke um, in 2015, you said you're like a long time ago, you wrote at night, you kind of moved towards more business hours uh, based around family and everything like that. Um, How do you kind of balance between you've got several projects in the works, you've been working on this off and on for over a decade. How do you balance that? Do you kind of sit there and think, well, today is this, you know, this movie or this scene, or how do you kind of go between the projects like that? I sort of, I, you know, I, I look at, um, I've tried to sort of set my life up so that my procrastination is working on something else. So if I'm supposed to be working on X and I feel like I'm procrastinating, I'm accidentally working on Y. Um, so, but it, it really is, you know, it's, if you take a job or if you're on a certain film, if you're working on a certain draft, usually it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to write this draft and every day you kind of go in and, and do a few hours and work on it. I do like to work in the morning more cause I have kids now and you know, uh, they, 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 they don't care if you've been up till two in the morning working on your script, they need their breakfast. So, <laughs> so you're waking up regardless. So I, I like to work more in the morning after they're off to school and stuff, but I think it's, um, you know, I just, I, I like to have a bunch of different things going at once. I produce as well as write. Um, uh, and so, you know, I was, I did last year, house of the clock and its walls. Um, and this year a movie called ready or not, which comes out in August that I also produced. And so those are different than writing, you know, that's more sort of being on set and being in meetings and sort of helping the directors, helping the writers, helping the actors to sort of get it all together. So that's sort of a different, you know, that takes me out of my office and takes me away from my computer so that when I come back and I'm writing, I feel sort of excited to get back to it and fresh. So it's, it's usually, you know, it's you try and have a bunch of different projects, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a bunch of different things in, in development and, and, you know, de- depending on where something is in its process and how much time it requires, it may usually try and uh, go and do that, I guess. So I wish I could say it was planned out more, but, um, you know, it, it's uh, – you know, it's a creative process. So sometimes I think you just have to go with the things that's most exciting to you and needs the most help at the time it needs it. So you're balancing between those. Um, I know that before you also said you write really long drafts. What was the original draft like as far as page count for this uh, story? I think the most it got up to was probably 130. Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't even know about my first, I think my first draft was probably in the 130s and I was like, there's no comedy that can be, you know, no, (laughs) nobody needs that. And I think the process with this was always sort of about bringing it down and making it fast. And the director, Kyle Newichek was great about that too. And he comes from a lot of TV. He created workaholics and, uh, he'd only directed one feature before this. So he's great at pace. And so I think the challenge, even, I mean, even in pre-production, we got to a point where we were casting and, and I went to Kyle and the other producers, look, I think we need to lose two suspects because there were two other characters in the script originally who were suspects were on the boat, who went all the way through the movie, who didn't turn out to be the killers. And I sort of went, I think we're heavy. I just think we're spending, you know, we don't need this many people in there. Um, and it's just eating time and it's not giving us anything. So we ended up just not casting those parts and going with the, the, the parts you see in the movie there, but you know, it's always kind of a thing to bring it down to the right level. And, and, you know, you know, Kyle's, when Kyle's, I saw Kyle's first cut and it came in under a hundred minutes. I was so thrilled just because I feel like that's the right, you know, everything has the right length. And, and, you know, if your movie is 10 minutes over the right length, it, it, it can kill it. It just can, you know, you can feel like a slog, especially with a comedy. You know, if you, you ever feel like you're way ahead of a comedy, it's just death. And so 
uh, it was a, you know, I, I am so thrilled that the 130-page version of this movie is not the, <laughs> the version that you see uh, on screen. But for me, for some reason, I have friends who can who can churn out, uh, you know, a hundred a hundred page script, you know, for a first draft of Drop of the Hat, and I want to kill them. Uh, but I just uh, it's it's just not the way it happens for me. It's my process is just to kind of put it all out there and just whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down. What process do you um, do you enjoy the most? Like which draft version? Is it the first draft or is it in, kind of in the rewrites? What what do you prefer? I mean, I think I like all of it. I also sort of feel like, you know, you you like all of it. The grass is always greener. You like all of it when you're not doing it. So it's like there's certainly like I'll be in, you know, I'll be in post on something and go, oh, geez, I can't wait till I'm done with this. And I can go write the first draft of that new thing that's, you know, sitting there and on deck and I'm ready to do it. And you're just daydreaming about it and you're you're waiting for that moment where this all this pressure is off and this movie is done and I can just go back into my office and crack open the computer and just start that first draft and dream again and then you get to the you know the first draft and you're just like oh shit I actually have to do that now you know so it always there's always an element of like oh man and I love it when I'm doing that I can't wait to get there and then you get there and you're like oh this is work too I forgot this part's work. Um, so, but, I mean, listen, I love all of it. You know, it's, I, 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 I got to run away and join the circus. So, like, and, that's, and that's why I got into producing and ultimately why I you know, got into directing is, is I just found, you know, I'm a writer first and always be a writer. But as I was able to make more things and have more access, I found how much I liked every part of the filmmaking process, not just the creating the story and, and setting it up for everyone. I read a recent interview you did um, where you said that some of the screenwriters you've met early in your career, they couldn't really make a career because they weren't really dedicated to the craft. Um, how do you see yourself as kind of differently or what advice might you have for like longevity in a career like this? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, and, and, and I think I was also sort of referring more to, you know, people I kind of came up with who started, you know, maybe sold a script or got a job on a show and then ended up not sort of sticking with it. I, I think it's more just about you, you have to, you know, it's not just about creativity. You have to have a work ethic and you have to outwork everyone else, you know, and you have to, you know, be, you know, rewrite your own stuff more than anyone else will be more brutal on it. I just, I think there, the work ethic side of making it as a writer in Hollywood is incredibly important. And Sometimes there's this image of like, oh, well, I'm a genius and I should, you know, just people should just recognize that this is great. Uh, and I feel like people like that don't end up going going very far. So I, I just I feel like for advice, it's it's just write as much as you can, write as many different things as you can, write as many different types of scripts as you can, write TV specs, write feature specs. I just feel like writing is like a muscle, like, and, and, you know, the more you, the only way to get better at it is to do more of it, you know, and the only way to get better at it is to be hard on yourself and rewrite and carve, you know, carve out. Somebody once said to me a long time ago, the first draft is like, basically you've just gotten the clay. Now you got to sculpt it into something. Um, so, I just think that's, you know, there are people much more talented than I who uh, I, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a better career than, but I think the, one of the reasons is that I just will, I will just work myself to death to try and get it right. Does all of your writing happen in the room? Like, is there, I know you're balancing between projects. Do you think of ideas while you're, you know, on the beach or, or, or reading something else? Like, how do you kind of 
collect those ideas to put them back in the script when you are back in the room. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the, I mean, God bless the cell phone, first of all. I mean, I think that, that uh, you know, I, I just, I, everything, I, in my notes app, I have a page for basically everything I'm working on. And so if I'm at the beach or if I'm, you know, you know, walking down the street or whatever it is and something comes to me, what, I mean, just even if it's a line of dialogue, you know, I'll just kind of like pop that in there because I feel like, you know, there's so much, if you, you don't do that, you're actually weirdly losing so much work product. And I loved, I remember, you know, when I watched Mad Men, which was so amazing, was the Don Draper of it all was, you know what, he's just going to get up and go to the movies. He's going to go, he's going to go do something else because you do, your brain works so much your subconscious is always working, I feel, if you're a writer, on the problem. And sometimes you just need to get out of its way and let it do its thing and you go do something else. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, so go to, I mean, like, go to the movies, go to a concert, go, you know, go for a hike, go for a walk. I, I feel like that stuff is sometimes where, the, you know, the best stuff comes to you when you're not trying to force it to come to you. Um, so... I think that's that's a that's a that's a pretty good piece of advice. It took me a long time to learn that. And then and then when it comes to you, write it down. Like don't <laughs> don't be a dummy. Like write it. It's like if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I'll remember it in the morning. No, you won't. You will not remember it in the morning. Take the five minutes, write it down. You know, have have the phone or the pad or whatever it is next to your bed. Keep that around. If you're in the shower and you have an idea, get out of the shower, write it down. And you can finish your shower afterwards. Uh, just the last one. Is there anything else that we missed you want to say about Murder Mystery or anything you'd like to say about the project you're working on with John Cena? Um, well, listen, the John Cena uh, project is the Janssen Directive, which is at Universal, which is, is coming along. And, and, you know, John's incredible. And I think he's going to do an amazing job with it. And Dwayne Johnson's producing, which is fantastic to have those, you know, two sort of legends working on something together. Uh, and then uh, uh, I have a movie called Ready or Not uh, that the trailer just came out on Monday, uh, and it's Fox Searchlight, and it's, it's a fantastic trailer. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. The movie comes out August 23rd, uh, and it is sort of a thriller comedy, and it's Samara Weaving and Andy McDowell and uh, Adam Brody, and it's, a, it's just a super fun movie. Uh, called Ready or Not. And uh, listen, Murder Mystery was, you know, I, I think the one thing I will say about it is after 13 years of trying to get it made, what's incredible to me is not only did we get the best version of the movie made, but, you know, it was just announced that it was the biggest opening in Netflix's history. So for somebody, you know, for me to sort of have a situation where I just wanted it to get made and be seen by a couple people, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm like, it's this little original movie, not based on any IP that just, you know, I dreamed up in my head from it to go through 13 years of nothing to getting made on the level it was made with the, with the acting talent was made across the board, not just Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, but Luke Evans, Luis Gerardo Mendez, I mean, Dr. John Connie, who was, you know, friends with Nelson Mandela and were making him do eye patch gags, like Gemma Arteta, like it's just, it's such an incredible cast. And then to have it be the biggest opening of all time on Netflix, like that is a literal Hollywood ending. So I, I just couldn't be more happy that, that people watched it and responded to it. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started.
and check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.